0: Well good morning church, as if you didn't get enough of me already. I got to worship with you and now I get to dive into the word with you as well. I'm honored and I'm excited to share with you uh, some of the things that God's showing me through the scripture and my hope is that you and your house church dive in and discuss all that God is showing us today. So let me pray for us as we get started. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives, Lord we ask that you continue your work in us today as we dive into your word. We surrender to you and we give you full control of our conversations this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter four, and we're gonna start in verse 16. Uh, uh, John chapter four, verse 16. We got to hear Brad teach last week. Um, or as we like to call him in our house church, Pastor Pop um, on John four, seven through 15. And so we're gonna pick up where he left off in verse 16. And just to recap, we're sitting at a historical well in the heat of the day and Jesus is tired and he's thirsty and he's asking a woman for a drink. This was a Samaritan woman uh, that no Jew would talk to and culturally a man wouldn't speak to a woman in public like this. It wasn't a law, but it was very uncommon. So Jesus talks to her about this thing called living water, and she asks for it, and boy, was she about to get it. She didn't know yet, but something amazing was about to happen to her. And so in verse 15, where Pop left off, it said, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty, nor have to continually come all the way here to draw. So how does Jesus respond after she asks for this living water? And here we pick up in verse 16, it says, At this, Jesus said, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. (laughs) And the man you're now with, um, the man that you're now living with is not your husband. You have said this truthfully. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place where we ought to worship is in Jerusalem at the temple. And Jesus replied, woman, believe me, a time is coming when God's kingdom comes, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not know what you worship. We Jews do know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit from the heart, the inner self, and in truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. God is spirit, the source of life, yet invisible to mankind, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ, the anointed. When that one comes, will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he the Messiah. Man, Jesus don't play. This poor girl is thinking. She's asking about how to get physical water that will make her not thirsty ever again. And Jesus goes straight into calling out something she was most ashamed of. All of the other women would uh, go and get their water in the morning time. Um, in the cool of the day. But her going at that time would cause her to be around all the girls who knew her past. They would judge her for the five husbands that she had before and now living with a man outside of marriage. It's a lot of shame and guilt especially in those times. You see she is looking for freedom from her shame and her guilt, freedom from her sins and in her mind this living water would give her away from not interacting with the people that were looking down on her. Kind of like saying, I don't want to feel this shame, but I don't want to change either. I don't want to change what I'm doing, so I just won't hang out with those people. It's like she's just sitting on the sidelines of truly living. But Jesus is offering a greater freedom. She was like, okay, you must be a prophet. You just read my mail. This is getting real very quickly. And almost like changing the subject to get the attention off of her mess ups, she asks him what sounded like a highly debated question among the Samaritans and the Jews at that time, or maybe she was just taking full advantage of the conversation and asking a question she's always wanted to know. And she asks, where is the correct place to worship? And I love Jesus's answer in verse 21. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor in Jerusalem. But a time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you are called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. So what is worship? Sure, it's singing, but what else is it? and what are some ways we engage in it nowadays? In Romans 12, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves and set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical act of worship. Now verse two, and do not be conformed to this world any longer, with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Worship's not a song. Worship is not just your tithe. Worship is putting God above all else. We raise our hands and surrender saying, you mean more than myself, more than my ideas, my thoughts, my own solutions, my preferences. Worship is saying, God, you're good, you're faithful, you're powerful, you're righteous, you are holy, you're my provider and my healer. Worship is when everything seems to be coming down on you and you choose to say, but God is still good. Worship is when everyone is failing you, but you choose to say, but God, you are faithful, so I will be faithful. Worship is when you seem to be lacking, but you choose to say, God will provide all my needs. I'm sick, but you choose to say, God, you're my healer and I trust you. See, she was asking, Where do you worship? Like, where's the magical place that we find freedom? And God is saying, it's not a place, it's a life. And so it doesn't matter if you're on the mountain, it doesn't matter if you're in the valley, if you're in the church, or if you're in a living room. I grew up in a Christian home and my dad and my mom were pastors. And whenever the church doors were open, I was there. I learned to play drums. Um, and was on the worship team. Um, Here at this church, when I was nine years old, uh, I was saved and I had a huge heart for worship. Uh, I love lifting God's name up. I have no problem kneeling before him. But living in a fallen world will take its toll on everyone in it. When I was around 17, my family fell apart. And my biggest role model left our house and left me with a lot of questions and a lot of anger, a lot of anger towards God. I mean, a God that we all serve, so how could this happen? And I remember being so upset, I stopped talking to God and I stopped listening. And I cried a lot. And I missed the comfort that I felt in worship when I lifted his name up. I remember my prayer one night before I went to sleep. I said, God, I want to want to know you again. And when I woke up, my heart was healed and I woke up alive again. God started showing me who he was to me, not my mom's God, not my dad's God, but God himself. And it wasn't because I said some magic words, it was because I was just being honest, and I was pressing into knowing the truth. It says that these these kinds of worshipers is the ones that God is seeking, you know, people that are willing to be honest, um, people that are willing to, to ask questions in search of the truth. willing to make changes, not just wanting to seem good, but to like actually be good. In verse 25, the woman says, she doesn't know about all that, but I do know that the Christ is coming. And when he does, he'll tell us everything we need to know. And in verse 26, Jesus says, I am he, I am the Messiah, I'm the Christ. In other words, I'm telling you, this is how it is. Maybe you're living, but you're not yet truly alive. Maybe you're so hurt and burdened and you're, and you're in survival mode that the hardness of your heart won't allow you to surrender certain parts of your life. Maybe start with my prayer, God, I, I want to want to know you. Or God, I want to want to trust you. Because right now uh, I don't, you know, but I know that I should, I know that I can, and I know that you're good. And so I pray that this was helpful. It's not easy for us to put ourselves out there for the whole church to see, um, but if I can do it, you can too. So be honest with where you are. Ask, seek, knock, and he will answer you. It was my joy to be here with you today. I pray blessings upon you and each house church that's about to meet today. We love